me because I'm going to ask you to preach with me because Jesus is alive. First Corinthians chapter 15. I love this time of the year. I love, you know, I, I feel like, I, I, I think, I, I hope every preacher feels this way, but I feel like Easter uh, or the, the resurrection is just like, you know, Christmas for a preacher because there is just so much to talk about. There is so much of his goodness, so much of the word of God, so much of what God has done that is worth celebrating. I love this time of the year. Everything about our faith is predicated on the death and resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, I'm not going to preach for long. Somebody say amen quickly or, or I will preach for long. I'm speaking by faith, amen, because I'm really excited. But look at this. I, I know we have the kids in, so, so I, I, by the way, this is just me reminding myself of the reasons why I shouldn't get carried away. But look at this. The, uh, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 14, he says that if Christ did not rise from the dead, if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith is also empty. So as a preacher, every time I read this scripture, I'm excited because one, one translation says, our preaching is not in vain, and neither is your faith in vain. The good news this morning is, is that my preaching is not in vain. We just thank God for me because my preaching is not in vain. Hallelujah. It means that I was looking through my notes the other day, and I know it's not a big deal, but just, just indulge me. I was looking through my notes and, and just looking at messages we preach. You know, we preach every week. I'm thinking, oh my word, look at all these messages that we preach. And then I read this scripture and remember, my preaching is not in vain. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So look at this. Even more importantly than my preaching is your faith is not in vain. I praise God. Every time you've showed up, every time you've chosen to believe, your faith is not empty. Because if you have placed your faith in Jesus... The historically verifiable event of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ validates your faith. That on its own is shouting ground. The fact that this morning, anybody in faith this morning, there is evidence that, that, that backs up your faith. The death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is the reason why, regardless of what you see around you, regardless of your perception of what your faith is producing, your faith is not in vain. Someone shout, my faith is not in vain, because Jesus is risen. Look at the book of, the book of Mark chapter 16, just in case you're not sure that he is risen. I hope that, you, you know, I, I am, I, I'd encourage you, go home and read um, from all the different accounts, the, the, the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus, because God will speak to you in all of that. So look at the, in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 6, uh, just in case you're not sure what we're celebrating, he says, but the angel said, don't be alarmed. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. He says, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth. I know who you came to look for at the grave. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. But he isn't here. He is risen. Glory be to God. He is risen from the dead. Tell your neighbor he isn't here. Come on, you're not saying like you believe. I said you are going to help me preach today. And our preaching is not in vain, by the way. You know that, amen. Tell your neighbor he isn't here. He is risen from the dead. And then the angel said, just in case you don't believe me, look, there is evidence that the grave is empty. There is evidence that the bones of Jesus, just like the spoken word piece we listened to earlier, the bones of Jesus did never decayed because the grave is empty. This morning, we have faith that is validated by an empty tomb. We have faith that is based on the fact that the one in whom we believe, he gave us evidence that he keeps his word and that death, even death, which is the strongest enemy of mankind, could, cannot even stop him when he has decided to raise you up. The words that you believe, they are predicated 
on solid ground. They are grounded in the death and the resurrection of Jesus. I congratulate every person who is in faith for their healing, who is in faith for their finances, who is in faith for their loved ones to get born again. I congratulate you this morning. If you are in faith that God will still use you, if you are in faith that he's still going to raise you up, I congratulate you this morning because your faith is not in vain. Hallelujah. I said your faith is not in vain. In other words, when, when, when your faith is not in vain, it means that it will produce the result which you believe for it to produce. Your faith is not in vain. God will use you regardless of what time has. How do I know? Jesus rose from the dead. God promised Jesus you will rise from the dead. And God kept his promise. When he promised I will use you, he will keep his promise too. Somebody give God praise right there because your faith is not in vain. He is risen from the dead. I want to speak to you about what I'm calling the plan that prevails. The plan that prevails. Because reading through the Bible accounts, as well as the other historical accounts of crucifixion and the culture of the day uh, and, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, one thing that becomes very obvious or became at least to me very obvious is the difference between the plans of those who crucified Jesus and the plan of God. Okay, the intention of those who crucified him and the intention of the God who crucified, even in that statement by itself, you know, on the one hand, the Jews and the Romans thought that they were the ones who crucified him. But before the Romans and the Jews knew who Jesus was, the prophet Isaiah showed up in Isaiah 53 and, and said it pleased God to bruise him. So on the one hand, the Romans planned or the Jews thought that they crucified him. But the reality is, is that, is that God crucified his son. There is, this, there is this place of contradiction or apparent contradiction where things look one way, but in reality, it is another way. On the one hand, there were people who felt they were orchestrating the crucifixion of Jesus. But as we look through the canon of scripture, we see that God has been behind the scenes, orchestrating everything. There's a huge difference between what it looked like and what was really happening in God's perspective. Now, I think it's important that we talk about this because this is where faith lives. Okay? This is where faith lives. The difference between you being in faith and not being in faith is usually whose plan do you believe will prevail, okay? The difference between being in faith or not being in faith is often which intention will have the upper hand in all of the events of your life. The, the, the difference between peace and turmoil is often your interpretation of what you are looking at. In fact, I believe that the quality of your faith depends on the quality of your vision. I'll say that again. The quality of your faith depends on the quality of your vision. And the quality of your vision depends on the eyes with which you use to see your life. There is a difference between what you see and what God sees. Quality faith comes from seeing what God sees. If you can see what God sees, if you can see what God sees, you will see that you are a masterpiece. If you can see what God sees, you will see that you are loved. If you can see what God sees, you will see that you are accepted, you are anointed, you are set apart, you are special, you are born for such a time as this. The hand of God is upon you. You are loved, you are branded with the Holy Ghost. The Lord has marks you as his. If you could see what God sees, then you will understand why no weapon formed against you shall prosper. If you can see what God sees, you will understand why your future is good. Why regardless of what you face, there is reason for you to smile. There is reason for you right now to give the Lord a shout of praise. But it's all 
can you see what God sees? Are you with me so far? And so as we read the story of the death and resurrection of Jesus, I want to highlight what they thought was happening versus what was really happening. And I'm going to make a case today that you, you seek out not what you think is happening, but what the plan is, what God is actually doing behind the scenes. Because the quality of your faith and the quality of your life would be dependent on us, not walking by what we see, but walking by what we see. Okay? And I really believe that the resurrection is God screaming loudly that I have a plan that will prevail. Tell you about my God has a plan that will, that will prevail. Tell the other neighbor, neighbor, it is not what it looks like. As we remember these historical events, you will see that really the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is a statement by God about the dominance of his plan, the dominance of his view. Today, as we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Lord wants me to remind you of the dominance of his view. Regardless of what it looks like in the natural in your life, God sees something different. Amen? And what he sees is the dominant point of view. What he sees, the plan he has, is the plan that will prevail. And faith is the audacity to live your life, to see your life as God sees your life. Faith is the audacity to approach your life, you know, with eyes that are not seeing what you see, but eyes that are seeing what he sees. Because if I can key into his plan and not what I see or what I think the enemy plans, everything is different. Tell anybody everything is different. Because it's not what it looks like. The miracle of resurrection is meant to give you and I the audacity to see your life as God sees your life. The miracle of, de of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to give us, and that's why our faith is not empty, because the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ is meant to, 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 to give you the audacity to believe that the impossible, that which seems impossible, is possible with the one who believes. Hallelujah. So let's talk about some contradictions. Let's talk about a few things that, that, that I'm going to pick out uh, that looked one way. They, they planned one thing, but God had another plan. They planned one thing, and that's what you've got to see in your life. That regardless of what the enemy might plan in your life, you know, the enemy has a plan for the sickness in your life, but God also has a plan. The enemy has a plan for that situation that you face at work. But God also has a plan. The financial situation you find yourself in, the enemy has a plan for that. But God also has a plan. The turmoil in your relationship, the enemy has a plan for that. But God also has a plan. And I hope that today, on this wonderful resurrection morning, you will switch your faith from confidence in the enemy's ability to, to execute his plan. And you will place your faith in the God who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or imagine because he has the plan that prevails. I would give the Lord a better hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. Let's talk about the cross. Let's talk about the cross. It was the Romans who carried out the crucifixion. Amen. It was the Romans who carried out the crucifixion. They were the experts in crucifixion. The Romans were experts in carrying out crucifixion. So if you were in Jesus' time and for any reason you wanted to carry out an excellent crucifixion, you had to find the Romans. Because they were good. For 500 years before Christ, history has it that they have been perfecting the craft of crucifixion. They were the best people to carry out the crucifixion. And the crucifixion was meant to inflict the greatest hurt. It was, let me put it this way, it was the worst way for a person to die. I probably would say it is still the worst, worst way for a person to die today. It was the worst form of capital punishment that a person could, could ever 
experience. And it was only reserved, check this out, it was only reserved for, the, for slaves. It was reserved for, for people, who, it was never used on Romans, Roman citizens. So if you were a Roman citizens, uh, citizen, the Rome, regardless of what you did, you were valued a little bit more. There was a bit of prejudice there. You were valued as more of a human being than this was how the Rome, Romans would see them, would see people at that time, than any other person. So, so, so to be crucified on the cross was, was, the, was, was a declaration that this person is beneath the least in the Roman Empire. It was the, a declaration that we are crucifying a slave. When Jesus was crucified, the Romans did not value Jesus like probably you and I do today. He was just another slave in a region conquered by Rome. That's what they saw. They saw a slave on the cross. And if you were in Rome at the time, what you would also see is a slave on the cross but from God's point of view someone say it's not what it looks like God saw a king on the cross in fact even though they thought they were mocking Jesus by placing a, 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 a you know a, a tablet on him that declared king of the Jews in reality God was using the mockers of Jesus to make a prophetic declaration about who Jesus really was so even though hallelujah I would give God praise because let me just go there Listen, some of the folk who might be mocking you today, are, 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 they don't even know it, but they are carrying a prophetic word about who you are. There is a declaration that those who mock you are making even without their knowledge because God knows how to work a prevailing plan even in the face of your mockers. And so they saw a slave on the cross. But re, re, in reality, what God was doing, he was using a king to set slaves free. That is what they, they, they thought this is a slave, a worthless slave. But what they didn't know was that this was the only one with the special blood that could wipe away our sins and set every slave free. Tell your neighbor, it's not what it looks like. Both the Romans and the Jews, they wanted Jesus to be seen as guilty. The crucifixion of Jesus was capital punishment that was used to condemn criminals. It was the, it was the worst of the worst of criminals that were punished by death on the cross. But the Bible says when Jesus got on that cross, the Bible says he knew no sin, he looked like a criminal, but he was an innocent man because it was not what it looks like. The plan was to crucify uh, a, a criminal, but from heaven's point of view, heaven's plan was to crucify the righteousness of God. It didn't look the same. He, he, he decided, God decided, I'm going to crucify the innocent man so I can set every criminal free wherever they are held bound. Amen. Today, in the highest courts of the land, in the courts of heaven, every criminal has a, a, a get out of jail card waiting for them to claim it. Simply because even though the Jews branded Jesus a criminal, God understood that he had to be a criminal so he can set criminals free. He had to, he had to become a snake. Remember in the book of Numbers? He says, leave, leave that snake up. And, and they, put, they made the, the, the snake and they put it on a pole. And, 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 and the Moses told them, if, if the snake bites you, look to the, look to the pole. Amen. There is a lesson in there. Amen. Christians are fighting snakes everywhere. I'll say it again. I think you missed that. Christians are spending their time studying snakes. This is, this is the Leviathan snake. I'm not saying all those things don't exist. But hear what Jesus said. What, what the, the, the testimony of, of Mo, what Moses told them, the instruction from God, was if the snake bites you, 
Don't spend time looking at the snake to find out what kind of snake it is. Look to Jesus. Because your redemption is not in the snake. Your redemption is in Jesus Christ. Oh, you want to fight your snakes. Some of you are saying, Pastor, leave me and my snake alone. All right, then. But, but, but I'm saying, Jesus looked like a criminal. The, the plan was to crucify a criminal. But from heaven's point of view, the plan was to crucify the righteousness of God so criminals can be set free in the courts of heaven. Today, you might look guilty, but it's not what it looks like. You don't look as guilty as you think you are. Look at the book of Colossians chapter 2. Are you with me so far? Colossians chapter 2 verse 14 says, He concealed the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it on the cross. In his way, he disarmed spiritual rulers. Amen? He disarmed, in this way, he disarmed spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Amen? Verse 16 so do not let anyone condemn you. This is where I'm going. Don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or what you drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies. Why? Because you are not guilty. Amen. That you might look guilty based on what you did last night. Don't put your hand up. Don't let them, we don't want to know what you did last night. Amen. You might look guilty based on what you remember. You might look guilty based on what the elders think. You might look guilty based on what your peers are doing compared to where you are. But when Jesus was crucified on the cross, the Romans thought they were crucifying a guilty man. But he was the innocent man that was crucified in your place. God crucified Jesus Christ so that you can be set free. When those nails were piercing his hand, it was instead of your hand. When he was being scourged, his back was being beaten. It was instead of your beating. Because you have now been set free. Amen. Amen. So whatever charges of wrong that you might find against Cheeto Gideon, I don't know whose they belong to. Because mine has been nailed on the cross. Amen. All of what is wrong with me, this is why Paul can stand a murderer, can write a letter, and he can tell them, I have wronged no man. Excuse me, Paul, you are Paul who was breathing murder a few chapters back. But when Paul understood that when Jesus died, he died. He stood up boldly and declared, I have wronged no man. Can I make an announcement to you this morning? You have been washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You are spotless. You are without sin. Amen. You are without sin. You are free. Somebody give the Lord a hand of praise if you believe that. You are free. It has been canceled. You might look guilty. You might look like you are worthy of condemnation, but it's not what it looks like. All the charges have been dropped. Oh, these people, let me tell you, they're not sure. Listen, hey, hey, listen, good news. All the, that one, yeah, yeah, that one too. Mm -mm, you, because, you, because you know what's happening as I'm preaching. As I'm preaching, you're, you're, you're saying, okay, maybe a little lie that was dropped. But, but there are certain ones that, come, mm, that one too, yeah. It has all been dropped. That is, that is a place to give God praise. All the charges have been dropped. Say after me. All. Actually, if you, if you, if you have, uh, I'm gonna, if, you have, if, you have your, if you have something in your hand, put it down. We're going to clap and say this together, okay? Okay? Are you ready? Come on, if you're ready, say, I, I'm ready. Now, I want you to do this every time you feel condemned, every time you catch yourself beating yourself up, judging yourself, because God is no longer judging you. He is no longer condemning you. Say after me, all the charges have been dropped. Okay, we're going to say it together. All the charges have been dropped. 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 Amen. 
Let that sink in. Meditate on that. If you stand before God, he is no, his face is not scrumped up with his big hammer waiting to clobber you. No, he's no longer. Why? Because Jesus was the innocent man who died for every crime you would ever commit. Someone say, I've been set free. Deterrent, deterrent. The next thing, uh, are you with me so far? So, 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 so the other thing is, the cross was meant to be a deterrent, okay? When the Jews orchestrated the crucifixion of Jesus, they, they wanted it to be a deterrent. Crucifixion was a public affair. It, it was often done in public places, and what they would do with the crucifixion is that, and you know, without going into, into so much detail about the crucifixion, you know, I, I, they would, they would, everything that they did with Jesus was part of the routine um, of crucifixion. So they would make sure they beat you so much so, really scourge your back and beat them terribly. And after the beating, they would carry the pole that they carried publicly, and they carry, and, and you carried it to the place of your crucifixion. And for Jesus, they took him to a place called Golgotha, a place that was a hill is called the place of the skull. That is another revelation right there. Because God, everything that Jesus did was given for your sound mind. If you are ever worried about the soundness of your mind, just remember that the place that Jesus chose to, that God orchestrated that he would be crucified is in the place of the skull. If there is anywhere where you ought to stake your claim to soundness of mind or, or to, to, to restoration, it is in the soundness of your mind. Jesus is interested in your mental health. So look at this, they would, they would beat them and the, the whole essence of the beating was to induce so much shock in you that you don't even know where you are, what you're doing. And they're carrying, the, the, they would carry the cross through the city where everybody could see you and they would carry, um, you, you would take the cross and take it to a hill where again everybody would see you and his history has it that that. People who were crucified would often spend days, that's also part of the reason why they placed him on the cross or why people were crucified on the cross was that their death was not a quick death. It was meant to linger. People will often spend, can spend up to 48 hours on the cross and people are going to school and seeing someone on the cross. People are coming back from school and they're checking if they're still there. In Jesus' case, you saw people who walked by and said, oh, he saved himself. He could, well, why can't he save every other? Well, sorry, he saved other people. Why can't he save himself? And they went on their duty. They went all there because the plan was that this was supposed to be a public execution that would act as a deterrent. That was the plan. But someone say, it's not what it looks like. Because Jesus showed up and he announced a different plan. If the Son of Man is lifted high, I will draw all men unto me. Whilst they were looking to put people off him, God had a bigger plan that will cause all men to see this lamb on the, on the cross and be drawn to him. The plan of God was so unique that even the centurion, who was the subject matter expert in crucifixion, the one who was the designated subject matter expert, stood there and he looked at Jesus and he says, this must be the son of God. Because the plan was different. It was supposed to be a deterrent, but John 12, 32 says, and if I am lifted up from the earth, I will draw people to myself. Hallelujah. The plan of God is different. Amen. The plan of God is different. I'm telling you, people are still flocking to the Lamb. People are still flocking to him. They thought they would shut him up. They thought that this crucifixion would put people off him. But till today, they are still streaming. And the pro prophetic word concerning the house of the Lord is that the mountain of the Lord will be exalted far above every other mountain. And people will say, let us go to the mountain of the Lord. People are still streaming to Jesus today. Because even though the Romans and the Jews had a plan to, 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 to make him a deterrent, God had a plan to make him a magnet. Yeah. 
and the plan of God is still prevailing. The Jews wanted him to be crucified because they wanted to portray him as cursed. You know, the Bible says, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. They, they needed him to be accursed because they were hearing people make statements that this is the Messiah. But if I can convince you that your Messiah is hanging on a tree, you probably will no longer believe that this one who is supposed to save you is actually a cursed one. The plan was orchestrated in a way that they he had to be crucified. He could not be starved to death. He could not be shot to death. He could not be drowned to death. He had to die on the cross because whilst their plan was that they would depict him as cursed and not the Messiah. The Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 3 verse 13 that Christ redeemed us from the curse. He redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for him. They wanted to show him as a curse, but God was using them to make him a curse for different reasons. Because the plan of God always prevails. Listen carefully. He became a curse for you. Are you in Galatians 3? I want you to cast eyes on this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Someone say, he, I, am I am redeemed. Come on, say, the Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If there is anything you as the redeemed must not be shy about saying is I am redeemed. I am. Amen. Say again, Christ has redeemed us. Christ has redeemed us. From the curse of the law, he became a curse for me because cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And verse 14, I want you to declare this with me as well, verse 14. Hallelujah. That the blessing might come upon me in Christ Jesus that I might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Hallelujah. They crucified him to make him a curse. But God allowed the crucifixion, and they thought they were winning, not realizing that him becoming a curse was me becoming blessed. Hallelujah. Him becoming a curse was me becoming just like him. He became what I was so I can become what he is. Let's talk about the soldiers of the tomb. The soldiers at the tomb. The soldiers were placed at the tomb. Anyone remember there were soldiers at the tomb? So, so when Jesus was buried, um, the Jews went to Pilate and they said to Pilate, we don't want a fake miracle. Okay? <laughs> we, don't want, we don't want a fake resurrection. Let's not talk about that. We, we don't want a fake, a, a fake miracle. And, and so the, the Jews were worried that the disciples will go and they will steal the body of Jesus Christ and, and, and then proclaim that Jesus Christ had risen from the dead because there were rumors that he would. So the plan was, everyone say that that was their plan. So their plan was let us send soldiers and these soldiers will be at the tomb. And what the soldiers will do is that they would watch to make sure that he doesn't get up or watch to make sure that nobody comes and steals the body. But it wasn't what it looked like. Look at the book of Matthew 28. Matthew 28. They planned to send soldiers to prevent the fake miracle, to, 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 to watch over the tomb. That is what their plan was. I hope you are seeing the difference in the plans. Okay? That is what I really want to highlight. I want to highlight the plan of man, the plan of the enemy, versus the plan of God. Because oftentimes, you have got to just keep walking through your plan or keep walking through what you are dealing with, even when you don't understand how the Messiah could be cursed and why he could be cursed. Just keep walking because the plan of God always prevails. So look what he, they sent the Romans. The plan was send the Romans to stop them from stealing his body. And Matthew 28 verse 2 says, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. He just needed one angel. 
descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. Now here is the best part that sweets me well, well. Amen. Sorry. The, the best part that got me. I'm sorry. But, you know, verse 4, I think is the last verse 4. He says, and the gods shook with fear of him and became like dead men. In other words, the men that they sent, the Romans, the Jews, said, let's send them to guard the tomb. But when God allowed them to show up at the tomb, God needed some witnesses. Hallelujah! He needed The Romans thought they were guarding the tomb. But in reality, God was wanting to make sure that when I resurrect my son, it will not be in the dark. When nobody saw what happened, there will be some witnesses. And these witnesses will not be biased witnesses like my disciples who are prone to making up tales about me being risen from the dead. I will send the Romans who think this man is a worthless slave and I will turn them into the witnesses that, I, that my son has resurrected from the Oh, leave me alone people. Leave me alone because our God is a miracle working God. He is a God who knows how to take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it around for good. He, he has the plan that prevails. Hallelujah. He has the plan that prevails. There are some people who might be watching your death. Watching you, it feels like you are going down. And it feels like they are present to confirm that indeed what they told you was going to happen. You know that, that uncle who told you that you're not going to amount to anything. And it feels like in every family you do, this uncle shows up just a little bit more. So what are you doing now? Mm. <laughs> you know, you know they, they, they gave you advice that you refused to take, and so now they're following you. Has it worked? <laughs> the reality is God is going to use them as witnesses. Hallelujah to the miracle that God will do in your life. Don't be too quick to send the Romans around your tomb away. Let them sit. He prepares a table for you in the presence of your enemies. If they anoint themselves enemies, they have by by default made themselves candidates to witness your miracle. Hallelujah. So, So you, amen, give God praise. And so, that's why you, you, you can afford not to have hatred in your heart for anybody. You can really afford it. Because hatred comes when you think that the plans of the Romans are succeeding. When you realize, no, they're just here to witness me eat. I'm about to eat. Amen. And when you eat, you offer them some food as well. Amen. But look at this. Matthew chapter 27. Let me talk about, are you with me so far? There's just so much of these that I could talk about. I want to talk about two more and then we'll just pack it apart for now. His death, his death, the death of Jesus, the plan for the death of Jesus Christ was that it would be the end of him. The plan for, 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 for Jesus' death was that it would be the end of his life, the end of his message, the end of his lineage, the end of his following. His death was supposed to be the end of this matter. But then again, guess what? It's not what it looks like. Because God had another plan. Matthew 27 verse 50 said, says, Jesus cried out. I want to read this to you. Uh, and there's something significant that, happened, significant that happened in this passage that I want to highlight to you. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and he yielded up his spirit. By the way, they thought they killed him. But in reality, he gave up his spirit. Listen carefully. You cannot kill an innocent man. Glory be to God. Do you know why your spirit will never die again? Do you know why you will never see hell? Because your spirit has been declared innocent. You have been declared innocent. Sin no longer has dominion over you. In other words, if something doesn't have dominion over you, it means that it doesn't have the power to declare how you will end up. 
And that's why they didn't have the power to declare how Jesus will end up. He was the innocent man who died for guilty people. And so he's on the cross, and they thought that they are killing him. But in reality, he gave up his spirit. He yielded up his spirit. And then behold, the veil of the temple. My goodness. I like to think about this as the moment that life died. The moment that life died. It says, then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth quaked. I wonder if the earth was declaring who is going to save us now because the son of God himself had died. You know, the Bible talks about how the earth is yearning and groaning for the manifestations of the sons of God. I believe that the earth quaked that day because that day the son of God died and earth was saying we are doomed. But anyway, let me leave that alone. The rocks were split and the graves, check this out, and the graves were open. And the Bible says, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the grave. After his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. So look at this. They were taking, the, the, the plan was let's take his life. Let's end his life. Let's stop his ministry here. Let's stop all this conversation here. But the point at which he yielded up his life was not the point when their plan came to fruition, even though it looked like that. He yielded up his, his spirit, but his spirit was not given up. His spirit released, woke up the saints. Did you get that? They thought, they thought, let's shut him down. Let's kill him. And the moment he died, his spirit released, rose people from the grave. Let me put it this way. There hasn't been a moment since Jesus showed up that there hasn't been somebody declaring him. So even between Friday and Sunday, when it looked like the disciples were hiding... The reality is that the 12 disciples were not all the disciples that Jesus had. Because as he died on the cross, what happened is that his breath raised people up. And those he rose up, they went and they told people about him. Ooh, man, I don't think you got that. This is why Jesus is riding in. We saw this last week. He's riding in and they said, tell your people to stop shouting. Jesus says, it's too late. Because if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. In other words, his time has come. The time for manifestation had showed up. And so everything would testify that the Messiah was here. So they, they, they thought they took his life. But he actually gave his life. But he didn't give his life into the air or just kind of throw. No, he threw it up. And people who were dead, saints who were dead, caught that life, came up out of their tombs and started to tell people about Jesus Christ. Let me tell you, you're not as dead as you think you are. All you need to do is catch the breath of God. All you need to do is catch the breath of God in your business. All you need to do is catch Jesus again. His spirit coming into you will give you life one more time and set you back on track. The plan was let's end his life. But where his life ended, our lives began. Yeah. Hallelujah. Where his life ended, our lives began. The women came to the tomb to anoint. They came to anoint the dead body of Jesus. They came to preserve the dead body of Jesus. They came, the plan was that that body will be decaying by now. And so what we need to do, the least we can do because we love him, is we can show up to the dead thing and make it smell better. Think about that. That's what our best efforts often look like. Our best efforts at trying to solve situations apart from God is like putting perfume on dead bodies. Amen? Just think about that for a second. This is the best that they could do at this point. This is how powerless human beings are. You know, we think we have as much power, but the reality is if you, you know, 
If you've ever been in a maternity ward or you've ever been in the hospital or you, you just realize how powerless we are. Amen? We, we don't have as much power. Most of our power is like putting oil on dead bodies. And so they show up at the tomb because their plan was at least let us anoint this body. But the reality is, hey, you don't need oil for a glorified body because God had another plan. He might look like he's in the grave, but God had a separate plan. And this plan was that when Jesus rose from the dead, he would resurrect with a glorified body, a body that did not decay. I, 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 I don't have time to talk about the scourging on his back, how that when they were beating him, they thought they were punishing this man and making a spectacle of him. But in reality, he was taking the stripes for their healing. He was taking the stripes for our healing. I, I haven't talked about the side. I haven't talked about the tomb, all the plans that they have. Even, even, even the man who gave up the tomb, he thought he was just being generous in the moment, not realizing that he was going to be a part of history by his willingness to give in a God moment. There is so much that God is doing. The plan I'm trying, I, I came today to just ask you, what do you think is going on in your life? What do you think is going on in your life? What do you think is going on with the finances? What do you think is going on with your health? What do you think is going on in your body? What do you think is going on in your career? If things are a bit slow, what do you think is really going on? I want you to know that there is a prevailing plan. There is a prevailing plan. God has already orchestrated your goodness, your fulfillment, your wholeness. Your resurrection is already on track. Regardless of what, give me Romans 8, 28. Let, let's, let's cast our eyes on this scripture, this famous scripture. I think that resurrection is God acting out Romans 8, 28. Romans 8, 28, it says, I, I want to read it out. Hallelujah. Are you with me today? Romans 8, 28. For all things, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to, that's me too, to those who are called, anybody called? According to his purpose. Resurrection is a day, is a season for you to remember that all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. If what I am dealing with is within the realms of his love, if what I am dealing with is within the realms of his purpose for humanity, I can be confident that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is working in me, is working on this situation. All things work together. Listen, God has a plan that is prevailing. Amen? I know, you know, a young person, you might be in a place where you feel you are bullied at school and you feel like you don't have anyone to talk to or you feel like, you know, you are, let me tell you, that might be the reality of what's going on now. But the truth is this. God has a plan that prevails, that is bigger than the plan of the bully. God has a plan that is stronger than the plan of the bank. God has a plan that is stronger than the plan of cancer to take you out. His plan always prevails. Say after me, his thoughts towards me are always good. They are full of power. They will always prevail. If you are glad that Jesus rose from the dead, would you give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? We love you so much. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating the genius of our God. Thank you, Jesus, for demonstrating that there is nothing that we face in life that declares that it is the end. Thank you, Jesus, for being willing to demonstrate that resurrection is always possible. That your word is the final word. or You will always have the final say. I want you to think about this for a second. I don't want you to just listen to me pray. Could you do this? Because this is where now the impact of what we're dealing with begins to be applied in your life.
resurrection doesn't matter if you don't apply it to where you are right now. Because what God is saying in resurrection applies to you now. What is it in your life that you can look at now and make a declaration to say, you know what, Lord? Because you rose again, my faith in this area, in my health, in my finances, my faith for good to come out of this is not in vain. Because you have a plan, regardless of what it looks like. I know that you have a plan, and I trust your plan. That's what I want you, that's the dialogue I want you to have with God in this moment. Because this is the moment of salvation. This is where he changes. This is where he starts to change for you. This is where peace reigns. This is where fear is driven out of your heart. This is where healing comes into your body. This is where wisdom is released. It is, this is where faith lives. It's in this place where we appropriate what Jesus has done and actively apply it to our lives. In other words, I'm not going to be afraid anymore because even though I don't know how this will turn out, I know how you turned out, Jesus. I know that you were raised from the dead. I know this is what the enemy is planning. To take me out, to kill, to steal, to destroy with this sickness, to destroy with this mental health issue. I know that's his plan. But I also know that your plan is to give me life. And today I celebrate your plan coming alive in the life of Jesus. Because it's evidence that I can expect the same. Thank you, Lord. I can sense fear leaving now. Hallelujah. I, say, I release healing as your people receive that word. As they are receiving and appropriating and meditating this word, I, I say healing is being released in the house. In the name of Jesus. Recognize the peace that you are feeling now because that is the Holy Spirit filling you with his life. Recognize the answers that are coming now because that is your way out. It doesn't look like much, but it's your way out. Receive the understanding. Receive the peace. Receive the wave of calmness that is coming over you now. It's not coming because you have the answer to the dilemma. It's coming because you have received Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Hallelujah. Come on, put your right hand up. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for all you did for me. Today, I choose to see my life in the light of your wonderful sacrifice. I choose to believe that your plan is the prevailing plan of my life. Thank you, Lord. I celebrate you. You are so good, and you do only good. Come on, give the Lord one more hand of praise if you believe. Let's come before, let's come before God with our giving. Let's come before God on this.